This is live coverage from ABC News. The pandemic, one year later. Here is ABC News correspondent Aaron Katursky. Good evening. One year after the World Health Organization declared the spread of COVID-19 a pandemic, President Biden is about to offer remarks from the White House. This is his first primetime address as president, and he has said he intends to talk about what the nation has been through in the last year, and more importantly, what comes next. ABC News White House correspondent Karen Travers is with us tonight. Karen, we're going to hear a couple of important dates tonight. Aaron, this is a, an operational update from the president, not just a reflection or an optimistic look ahead that brighter days are to come. We are told that the president tonight is going to announce that he is directing states, tribes and territories to make all American adults eligible for a COVID-19 vaccine by May 1st. That's according to senior administration officials. Now, this does not mean that everyone will be able to get a shot by May 1st, but the president wants everybody to be able to at least sign up for their first shot by that point. This is a very big deal because it signals that the Biden administration is very confident that supply of vaccine is going to ramp up in a pretty big way over the next month ahead of that May 1st deadline. The end of May, remember, is when the president has said he he expects there would be enough supply for all U.S. adults. So this timeline is getting a little bit more clear. Another big headline we're expecting from the president is the question everybody wants to know. When will things get back to normal? And he is going to say tonight that it could happen in time for July 4th. That's if Americans continue to wash their hands, socially distance, continue to wear masks, follow all the CDC guidelines right now, and get their vaccine. So the end is in sight is what the president will signal tonight with these remarks and give some clarity on the timeline of what the next few months will look like. ABC's Karen Travers, our White House correspondent, as President Biden approaches the podium in the East Room. I'd like to talk to you about where we are. As we mark one year since everything stopped because of this pandemic, a year ago, we were hit with a virus that was met with silence and spread unchecked. Denials for days, weeks, then months. That led to more deaths, more infections, more stress, and more loneliness. Photos and videos from 2019 feel like they were taken in another era. The last vacation, the last birthday with friends, the last holiday with extended family. While it was different for everyone, we all lost something, a collective suffering, a collective sacrifice, a year filled with the loss of life and the loss of living for all of us. But in the loss, we saw how much there was to gain in appreciation, respect, and gratitude. Finding light in the darkness is a very American thing to do. In fact, it may be the most American thing we do. And that's what we've done. We've seen frontline and essential workers risking their lives, sometimes losing them, to save and help others. Researchers and scientists racing for a vaccine. And so many of you, as Hemingway wrote, being strong in all the broken places. I know it's been hard. I truly know. As I've told you before, I carry a card in my pocket with the number of Americans who have died from COVID to date. It's on the back of my schedule. As of now, 
total deaths in America, 527,726. That's more deaths than in World War I, World War II, the Vietnam War, and 9-11 combined. There were husbands, wives, sons and daughters, grandparents, friends, neighbors, young and old. They leave behind loved ones, unable to truly grieve or to heal, even to have a funeral. But I'm also thinking about everyone else who lost this past year to natural causes, by cruel fate of accident or other disease. They, too, died alone. They, too, leave behind loved ones who are hurting badly. You know, you've often heard me say before, I talk about the longest walk any parent can make is up a short flight of stairs to his child's bedroom to say, I'm sorry, but I lost my job. Can't be here anymore. Like my dad told me when he lost his job in Scranton. So many of you have had to make that same walk this past year. You lost your job. You closed your business. Facing eviction, homelessness, hunger. A loss of control, maybe worst of all, a loss of hope. Watching a generation of children who may be set back up to a year or more because they've not been in school because of their loss of learning. It's the details of life that matter most. And we miss those details, the big details and the small moments, weddings, birthdays, graduations, all the things that needed to happen, but didn't. The first date, the family reunions, the Sunday night rituals, it's all has exacted a terrible cost on the psyche of so many of us. For we are fundamentally a people who want to be with others, to talk, to laugh, to hug, to hold one another. But this virus has kept us apart. <clears throat> Grandparents haven't seen their children or grandchildren. Parents haven't seen their kids. Kids haven't seen their friends. The things we used to do that always filled us with joy have become things we couldn't do and broke our hearts. Too often, we've turned against one another. A mask the easiest thing to do to save lives. Sometimes it divides us. States put it against one another instead of working with each other. Vicious hate crimes against Asian Americans who've been attacked, harassed, blamed, and scapegoated. At this very moment, so many of them, our fellow Americans, they're on the front lines of this pandemic trying to save lives. And still, still, they're forced to live in fear for their lives just walking down streets in America. It's wrong, it's un-American, and it must stop. Look, we know what we need to do to beat this virus. Tell the truth. Follow the scientists and the science. Work together. Put trust and faith in our government to fulfill its most important function, which is protecting the American people. No function more important. 
We need to remember the government isn't some foreign force in a distant capital. No, it's us, all of us, we the people. For you and I, that America thrives when we give our hearts, when we turn our hands to common purpose. And right now, my friends, we're doing just that. And I have to say, as your president, I'm grateful to you. Last summer, I was in Philadelphia and I met a small business owner, a woman. I asked her, I said, what do you need most? I'll never forget what she said to me. She said, looking me in the eye, she said, I just want the truth, the truth. Just tell me the truth. Think of that. My fellow Americans, you're owed nothing less than the truth. And for all of you asking when things will get back to normal, here is the truth. The only way to get our lives back, to get our economy back on track, is to beat the virus. You've been hearing me say that for while I was running and the last 50 days I've been president. But this is one of the most complex operations we've under, under, ever undertaken as a nation in a long time. That's why I'm using every power I have as President of the United States to put us on a war footing to get the job done. Sounds like hyperbole, but I mean it, a war footing. And thank God we're making some real progress now. In my first full day in office, I outlined for you a comprehensive strategy to beat this pandemic. We've spent every day since attempting to carry it out. Two months ago, the country, this country didn't have nearly enough vaccine supply to vaccinate all or ever near all of the American public. But soon we will. We've been working with vaccine manufacturers, Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson, to manufacture and purchase hundreds of millions of doses of these three safe, effective vaccines. And now, at the direction and with the assistance of my administration, Johnson & Johnson is working together with a competitor, Merck, to speed up and increase the capacity to manufacture new Johnson & Johnson vaccine, which is one shot. In fact, just yesterday, I announced, and I met with the CEOs of both companies, I announced our plan to buy an additional 100 million doses of Johnson & Johnson vaccines. These two companies, competitors, have come together for the good of the nation, and they should be applauded for it. It's truly a national effort, just like we saw during World War II. Now, because all the work we've done, we'll have enough vaccine supply for all adults in America by the end of May. That's months ahead of schedule. And we're mobilizing thousands of vaccinators to put the vaccine in one's arm. Calling active duty military, FEMA, retired doctors and nurses, administrators, and those to administer the shots. And we've been creating more places to get the shots. We've made it possible for you to get a vaccine in nearly one, any one of 10,000 pharmacies across the country, just like you get your flu shot. 
We're also working with governors and mayors in red states and blue states to set up and support nearly 600 federally supported vaccination centers that administers hundreds of thousands of shots per day. You can drive up to a stadium or a large parking lot, get your shot, never leave your car, and drive home in less than an hour. We've been sending vaccines to hundreds of community health centers all across America, located in underserved areas. And we've been deploying, and we will deploy more, mobile vehicles and pop-up clinics to meet you where you live so those who are least able to get the vaccine are able to get it. We continue to work on making at-home testing available. And we've been focused on serving people in the hardest-hit communities of this pandemic, Black, Latino, Native American, and rural communities. So what does all this add up to? When I took office 50 days ago, only 8 percent of Americans, after months, only 8 percent of those over the age of 65 had gotten their first vaccination. Today, that number is 65 percent. Just 14 percent of Americans over the age of 75, 50, 50 days ago, had gotten their first shot. Today, that number is well over 70 percent. With new guidance from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, that came out on Monday, it means simply this. Millions and millions of grandparents who went months without being able to hug their grandkids can now do so. And the more people are fully vaccinated, the CD will continue to provide additional guidance on what you can do in the workplace, places of worship with your friends, as well as travel. When I came into office, you may recall, I set a goal that many of you said was that kind of way over the top. I said I intended to get 100 million shots in people's arms in my first 100 days in office. Tonight, I can say we're not only going to meet that goal, we're going to beat that goal because we've actually on track to reach this goal of 100 million shots in arms on my 60th day in office. No other country in the world has done this. None. And I want to talk about the next steps we're thinking about. First, tonight, I'm announcing that I will direct all states, tribes, and territories to make all adults, people 18 and over, eligible to be vaccinated no later than May 1. Let me say that again. All adult Americans will be eligible to get a vaccine no later than May 1. That's much earlier than expected. Let me be clear. That doesn't mean everyone's going to have that shot immediately, but it means you'll be able to get in line beginning May 1. Every adult will be eligible to get their shot. And to do this, we're going to go from a million shots a day that I promised in December, before I was sworn in, to maintaining beating our current pace of 2 million shots a day, outpacing the rest of the world. Secondly, at the time when every adult is eligible in May, we will launch, with our partners, new tools to make it easier for you to find the vaccine and where to get the shot, including a new website that will help you first find the place to get vaccinated and the one nearest you. No more searching day and night for an appointment for you and your loved ones. 
Thirdly, with the passage of the American Rescue Plan, and I thank again the House and Senate for passing it, and my announcement last month of a plan to vaccinate teachers and school staff, including bus drivers, we can accelerate massive nationwide effort to reopen our schools safely and meet my goal that I stated at the same time, about 100 million shots, of opening a majority of K through 8 schools in my first 100 days in office. This is going to be the number one priority of my new Secretary of Education, Miguel Cardona. Fourth, in the coming weeks, we will issue further guidance on what you can and cannot do once fully vaccinated to lessen the confusion, to keep people safe, and encourage more people to get vaccinated. And finally, fifth, and maybe most importantly, I promise I will do everything in my power. I will not relent until we beat this virus. But I need you, the American people, I need you. I need every American to do their part. And that's not hyperbole. I need you. I need you to get vaccinated when it's your turn and when you can find an opportunity. And to help your family, your friends, your neighbors get vaccinated as well. Because here's the point. If we do all this, if we do our part, if we do this together, by July the 4th, there's a good chance you your families and friends will be able to get together in your backyard or in your neighborhood and have a cookout or a barbecue and celebrate Independence Day. That doesn't mean large events with lots of people together, but it does mean small groups will be able to get together. After this long, hard year, that will make this Independence Day something truly special, where we not only mark our independence as a nation, but we begin to mark our independence from this virus. But to get there, we can't let our guard down. This fight is far from, order, from over, as I told the woman in Pennsylvania. I'll tell you the truth. A July 4th with your loved ones is the goal. But a goal, a lot can happen. Conditions can change. The scientists have made clear that things may get worse again as new variants of the virus spread. We've got work to do to ensure that everyone has confidence in the safety and effectiveness of all three vaccines. So my message to you is this. Listen to Dr. Fauci, one of the most distinguished and trusted voices in the world. He's assured us the vaccines are safe. They underwent rigorous scientific review. I know they're safe. Vice President Harris and I know they're safe. That's why we got the vaccine publicly in front of cameras so for the world to see, so you could see us do it. The first lady and the second gentleman also got vaccinated. Talk to your family, friends, your neighbors, the people you know best who've gotten the vaccine. We need everyone to get vaccinated. We need everyone to keep washing their hands, stay socially distanced, and keep wearing the mask as recommended by the CDC. Because even if we devote every resource we have, 
Beating this virus and getting back to normal depends on national unity. And national unity isn't just how politics and politicians vote in Washington, or what the loudest voices say on cable or online. Unity is what we do together as fellow Americans. Because if we don't stay vigilant and the conditions change, then we may have to reinstate restrictions to get back on track. And please, we don't want to do that again. We've made so much progress. This is not the time to let up. Just as we were emerging from a dark winter into a hopeful spring and summer is not the time to not stick with the rules. I'll close with this. We've lost so much over the last year. We've lost family and friends. We've lost businesses and dreams we spent years building. We've lost time, time with each other. And our children have lost so much time with their friends, time with their schools. No graduation ceremonies this, this spring. No graduations from college, high school, moving up ceremonies. You know, and there's something else we lost. We lost faith in whether our government and our democracy can deliver on really hard things for the American people. But as I stand here tonight, we're proving once again something I've said time and time again to the probably tired of hearing me say it. I say it to foreign leaders and domestic alike. It's never, ever a good bet to bet against the American people. America is coming back. The development, manufacture, and distribution of vaccines in record time is a true miracle of science. It's one of the most extraordinary achievements any country has ever accomplished. And we also just saw the Perseverance rover land on Mars. Stunning images of our dreams that are now a reality. Another example of the extraordinary American ingenuity, commitment, and belief in science and one another. And today, I signed into law the American Rescue Plan, an historic piece of legislation that delivers immediate relief to millions of people, includes $1,400 in direct rescue checks, payments. That means a typical family of four earning about $110,000 will get checks for $5,600 deposited if they have direct deposit or in a check, a treasury check. It extends unemployment benefits. It helps small businesses. It lowers health care premiums for many. It provides food and nutrition, keeps families in their homes, and it will cut child poverty in this country in half, according to the experts. And it funds all the steps I've just described to beat the virus and create millions of jobs. In the coming weeks and months, I'll be traveling along with the First Lady, the Vice President, the Second Gentleman, members of my Cabinet, to speak directly to you, to tell you the truth about how the American Rescue Plan meets the moment. And if it fails at any pace, I will acknowledge that it failed, but it will not. About how after long, dark years, one whole year, there is hope and light of better days ahead. If we all do our part, this country will be vaccinated soon. Our economy will be on the mend. 
Our kids will be back in school. And we'll have proven once again that this country can do anything, hard things, big things, important things. Over a year ago, no one could have imagined what we were about to go through. But now, we're coming through it. And it's a shared experience that binds us together as a nation. We are bound together by the loss and the pain of the days that have gone by. We're also bound together by the hope and the possibilities of the days in front of us. My fervent prayer for our country is that after all we've been through, we'll come together as one people, one nation, one America. I believe we can and we will. We're seizing this moment and history I believe will record. We faced and overcame one of the toughest and darkest periods in this nation's history, darkest we've ever known. I promise you, we'll come out stronger with a renewed faith in ourselves, a renewed commitment to one another, to our communities and to our country. This is the United States of America. And there's nothing, nothing, from the bottom of my heart, I believe this, there's nothing we can't do when we do it together. So God bless you all. And please, God, give solace to all those people who lost someone. And may God protect our troops. Thank you for taking the time to listen. I look forward to seeing you. Live from the White House, President Biden marking what he called the long, hard year since COVID-19 was declared a pandemic. He paid tribute to frontline workers who cared for the sick, the scientists who raced to prepare vaccines, and to those who endured loss, the loss of more than 527,000 people, the loss of jobs, of education, of companionship. I know it has been hard, the president said. I truly know. Then the president looked ahead to May 1st when he said all American adults would become eligible to receive vaccine shots. And by July 4th, he said there's a good chance we'll be able to declare independence from the virus. But he also prepared the country for the chance things could get worse. And he said we can't let our guard down. He called on every American to do their part by wearing masks as directed and getting vaccinated when it's their turn. I'm Aaron Katursky. You're listening to live coverage from ABC News. Straight to our White House correspondent, ABC's Karen Travers. Karen. Aaron, the president kept coming back to the word truth several times during these remarks, saying that he was going to deliver this straight to the American people because he has heard from his time out there as a candidate on the campaign trail that that's what Americans wanted last year when the pandemic was beginning, when the pandemic was worsening last summer. So he said he was going to be truthful to the American people, that, as you say, things could get worse, but that he's optimistic about the path this country is on based on things that his administration has done in just 50 days in office. Remember, as a candidate, the president uh, then had said that he wanted to get shots into 100 million arms uh, by his first 100 days. And he says they're actually on pace to hit that by day 60, so moving ahead of schedule. And a lot of the things the president laid out tonight are ahead of schedule. Enough vaccine supply for all adults in America by the end of May, something he announced last week. He underlined that tonight, saying, again, that's ahead of schedule. 
fragile. But because of that timeline being boosted up quite a bit there, that is enabling the president and his team to feel very confident that the supply is going to ramp up in such a big way in the coming weeks that they can now say, as he did tonight, that all states have to make all American adults eligible for a COVID-19 by May 1st. Now, he emphasized that does not mean you're going to get a shot by May 1st. That would be great. And of course, it depends on how the supply and the process works. But he wants to see everybody signed up for their first shot so that you're not waiting until June, July, August, which a couple of weeks ago was a, a reality that you weren't even going to be able to get an appointment and know the timeline of when you would get that shot for many months. So this is a very big deal. And again, you know, that 4th of July celebration, Aaron, I think, you know, we've talked about how for millions of Americans, the summer maybe looked not too different last year. And that's why, of course, the public health experts were so concerned as cases were spiking during the summer months. Uh, but the president using that Independence Day holiday to say that if people continue doing what they need to do, doing what he's asking them to do, social distancing, masking up and following the guidelines, based on where he feels the vaccines will be, that that Independence Day holiday next year could be very different and look very normal. He says this will where we will mark not only our independence as a nation, but our independence from this virus. ABC's Karen Travers, our White House correspondent. We're also joined tonight by Dr. Jay Bott, an ABC News medical contributor who's with us from Chicago. Uh, masking up and getting the vaccine, has that been a hard sell in, in a clinic like yours, Jay? Yeah, Aaron, this has uh, been a really tough year for so many. And to get people to do the public health measures we know work has been a challenge in different parts of the country and certainly in my own clinic in underserved communities. But as we've seen, uh, people do that more and more uh, in influenced by their family members, influenced by science and public health leaders like Dr. Fauci. We've seen things get better and we know that it is not only the vaccinations, but the masking and distancing that is our pathway to hope in beating this virus. And I think the other thing that uh, President Biden struck a chord with is faith in science and faith in unity and talking about, you know, that we've been through tough things before and we can move forward. And it's sort of uh, that reflection on uh, the possibilities of what incredible science we've uh, worked through in the last year was really important. And I think we're seeing this with vaccines. Just yesterday, I was with, uh, in my clinic, many people of color who came to get vaccinated. And I was very encouraged by the turnout. And so I think, you know, we just gotta keep it moving and, and be um, mindful of the guidance that the CDC will bring out and, and using that to get to a better place. Dr. Jay Bott is with us from Chicago, an ABC News medical contributor. Our political analyst here at ABC News, Steve Roberts, is also with us. How'd the president do in his first primetime address to the nation as president, Steve? Well, he struck a very interesting note. He really was consoler in chief in many ways, which is one of the most important jobs of any president. Um, and his whole tone, I felt uh, Aaron was as important as the specifics. It was a tone of gentle calmness. There were no pyrotechnics. There was no soaring rhetoric. There was, but there was a sense of reassurance, a sense of shared uh, sorrow and grief for the impact of the last year, a sense of what had been lost, not just in terms of lives, but in life experience, talking about kids who didn't get to graduate, kids who didn't get to play sports, kids who didn't get to see their, their friends. And so I thought it was very effective 
not just in terms of the details, but this is the hallmark of, the, of Biden's style. It's so much a lower key than Donald Trump, so much, none of these pyrotechnics, uh, but it's reassuring. That's one of the reasons he won, Aaron. Uh, at, at the core of his political appeal was the notion that you can trust me. I'm Papa Joe, Grandpa Joe in many ways tonight. Uh, it's a very important role for any president. He played it well tonight, Aaron. ABC News political analyst Steve Roberts. Let's bring Karen Travers, our White House correspondent, back to the conversation because that tone also came with, well, it's coming with checks, and and, and that certainly helps the, the, the president with this message of reassurance that things are going to get better. $1.9 trillion. That's what the president signed into law today after Congress passed the COVID relief plan that he outlined as a candidate uh, during the transition, fine-tuned it, and then put forward as a formal proposal once he took office. This is the president's first major legislative achievement. It's the fulfillment of a key campaign promise, and it's a really big deal. This is a massive amount of money that is going toward not just immediate COVID relief, but also toward Democratic priorities policy priorities that they have been pushing for for years, things that could dramatically change uh, poverty in this country, uh, child care in this country. This is a lot of money. So some of the details of that, $1,400 stimulus checks for Americans making up to $75,000 a year, they're going to start going out in the next couple of weeks. The White House says by the end of this month, unemployment weekly benefits have been extended through the beginning of September, $300 per week. And Aaron, there are hundreds of billions of dollars in there for vaccines, schools to safely reopen, and state and local governments. This is real money that is going to start getting out there to those communities over the coming months. And the White House uh, will tell us that they feel very confident that this is going to jumpstart the economy. It's going to get money in the pockets of people who need it the most. And it's also going to help with everything the president outlined tonight, that they can feel good about that vaccine timeline because they have purchased so many doses from those three companies. And that the the amount of money they can now put towards state and local governments for the vaccinators, for the process of vaccines, is going to make this all a lot easier. The president signed the bill today with very little fanfare at the White House, but tomorrow, the big ceremony where he's bringing down Democratic members of Congress, no Republicans, because of course, not a single Republican in the House or Senate voted for this. And then next week, Aaron, the president's going to start the victory lap. He's going to make a sales pitch to the American people, heading to the suburbs of Philadelphia, going to Atlanta. Atlanta later in the week, where they're going to educate Americans on what this bill does and how it will help them. The polls right now, Aaron, show two-thirds of Americans overall like this legislation. When you ask them about specifics inside, that number goes up to the 80s or 90s in some cases. The White House needs that number to stay high. They need this bill to stay popular. And they feel that between the sales pitch they're going to make with senior officials, including the president, plus the fact that people are going to start seeing tangible benefits from this, they feel this is going to be a political win for them. ABC's Karen Travers, our White House correspondent, Dr. Jay Bott, our medical contributor. All, all that money can certainly help with the May timeline of making all American adults eligible to receive a vaccine shot. What about the president's other goal of declaring our independence from the virus on July 4th? Is that realistic? Okay. COVID has been really tough on everyone. And uh, right now what the president uh, talked about is the progress that has been made and moving ahead of schedule. And I think that if we can continue to double down on public health measures, accelerate vaccinations, I think we can be f hopeful 
uh, that we might be able to get there by July 4th and that the vaccines have been a game changer. Treatments like monoclonal antibodies to help people early on have been helpful. And seasonal uh, flu infections on the decline is also helpful. And I think it's uh, really important over the next couple months that everyone goes out and gets their vaccine as soon as they're eligible and continue to do uh, the mitigation measures we know work. And I think if we do those things, we can get close uh, to life as we remember it. And I think that the other thing to mention, uh, building on what Karen said, is that uh, there's 500 million in the American Rescue Plan for data modernization. And we know that data was a challenge uh, for this particular pandemic, that it exposed the shortfalls of our antiquated public health infrastructure. And so moving information that's needed for decisions and action and treatment from healthcare to public health, from laboratories to healthcare facilities and to public health authorities is critically important. And so this will, uh, monies in the, the American Rescue Plan will fund uh, modernization of data, of uh, infectious disease and epidemic forecasting and analytics, which I think you know will be helpful. And I think the other thing that's really important to remember is we won't get to that July 4th milestone if we don't also double down on addressing uh, those communities are disproportionately affected and at risk uh, from this virus because those are the places where the variants could potentially emerge. And we've got to meet people where they're at. You heard President Biden talk about mobile clinics, about vaccines to community health centers, about the national centers. Those are all going to be incredibly important uh, to beating this virus. Dr. Jay Bott, an ABC News medical contributor with us from Chicago. And one more time to Steve Roberts, our, our political analyst, because, Steve, one of the things that the president said is coming is more guidance about what the vaccinated can do. You're our resident grandpa. You want to hug your grandkids. Yes, absolutely. Although my grandkids are awfully big to hug since they're 6'6 <laughs> six, six and 6'4, and I can't get my arms around it. But uh, uh, it is true that uh, the, the other factor here to remember is that the White House very much has its eye on the elections of 2022. Uh, one of the strong uh, motivating factors here, Aaron, is, look, Joe Biden was around in, 20, in, in 2009 when Obama, the Obama administration, did get through a major uh, relief package, but they felt that they didn't get political credit for it uh, and that it uh, was too small to really make a big difference. And in the words of Barack Obama, they got shellacked. The Democrats got shellacked in the uh, midterm elections of, of, of 2010. And so this is also a very, while there was no overt political rhetoric tonight, there was very much a political undercurrent here. This speech was very much about reassuring Americans, not just about the vaccine, but about the competence of the administration and uh, the elections uh, that are looming uh, in, in the midterm, because uh, the Democrats have only 50 seats in the U.S. Senate, loss of one. Uh, they would lose control of the Senate. Their margin in the House is only a handful. Um, in off-year elections for a newly elected president, history is never kind, has seldom been kind to incumbent presidents. So they know that there's also an enormous political stake here, Aaron. This speech was also about kicking off the political campaign for 2022, Aaron. We know that uh, President Biden's legacy is going to depend on getting through this pandemic and getting through it as quickly as possible after that long and hard year, as he put it. Our thanks to Steve Roberts and Jay Bott and Karen Travers. We applauded our heroes. We mourned our dead. We endured. We endured the trauma of one of the worst years of American life, clinging to hope, scant though it seemed at times that the next 12 months will be better. And tonight, President Biden said, 
We're coming through it. Hey, I'm Andy Mitchell, a New York Times bestselling author. And I'm Sabrina Kohlberg, a morning television producer. We're moms of toddlers and best friends of 20 years. And we both love to talk about being parents, yes, but also pop culture. So we're combining our two interests by talking to celebrities, writers, and fellow scholars of TV and movies. Cinema, really. About what we all can learn from the fictional moms we love to watch. From ABC Audio and Good Morning America, Pop Culture Moms is out now wherever you listen to podcasts. 